Welcome to Plain English with Pastor Jay, God's Word for Everyday People. All right, so we are continuing our series on God's promises. And this series is entitled Own It. And it's about grabbing a hold of God's promises and owning them. Believing that what God said cannot be a lie. And he has to follow through on exactly what he said. Before you even leave out of here today, there's a board in the back that has multiple promises of God there. I want to invite you to grab a card before you leave. Put it in your car. Put it in the bathroom. Put it wherever you need to see it on a regular basis. Take a picture of it. Put it on your phone. But take that promise and own that all this week. Pray that over your life. Pray it over other people's lives. And watch God do something. Because I really believe he will. And this week, going into some of the It's been so much happening, I feel like. It's been so much going on around here. But as I was studying for this message, I came across a passage in Malachi chapter 3. And I want to read this. This is verses 14 through 18. It says, like some of us have, you have said it is useless to serve God. And what profit is it if we keep his ordinances and walk gloomily as, and as if in mourning apparel before the Lord of hosts? And now we consider the proud and the arrogant to be happy and favored. Evildoers are exalted and prosper. Yes, and when they test God, they escape unpunished. Then those who feared the Lord talked often one to another, and the Lord listened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who reverenced and worshipfully feared the Lord and who thought on his name. And this is God speaking. He says, and they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In that day when I publicly recognize and openly declare them to be my jewels, my special possession, my peculiar treasure, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him, then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him who serves God and him who does not serve him. And I don't know about you all, but I caught a hold of that one part there. I feel like the angels were singing to me for just a second. <laughs> There's an aspect in that scripture there that talks about us being jewels. And I don't know about you, but I want to be referred to as a jewel by God. I want God to see me as valuable. See, when we think of jewels, I think of treasure. I think of my movie back in the day, Goonies, where they went and had to go find the treasure. Some of y'all know y'all Goonie fans in this room. There are things that we look at that we value, and those things we treat a certain way. See, when I think of what's valuable, when I think of a treasure, I'm thinking of something that is given to only certain people, something that I'm going to protect, something that I put up in safekeeping, something that I'm looking out for. And I want God to feel that way about me. I want to be seen as a jewel. I want to be seen as God's special treasure. And when I started thinking of it that way, I started considering what do we look at as far as treasuring those things that means a lot to us? What's the most valuable element that I can think of? And I thought of a diamond. And this picture here, beautiful stone. And I, I laughed a little bit. I said, man, if I had bought Pastor Sonia that one, maybe she'd have said yes the first time I asked her to marry me. <laughs> she'd have been like, ah, sure. <laughs> but when you think of diamonds, and you see the beauty of a diamond, and we know that diamonds are given many times for engagements. When you're getting married, you don't typically walk up to somebody and be like, hey, take this emerald. Hey, would you like this cubic zirconia? I'm sorry if some of y'all got a cubic zirconia, okay? Somebody like, that ain't funny. 
We don't give people a ruby. We look at a diamond. We look at the carrots of it. We look at the shine of it. We look at the cut of it. And we put value on that. And diamonds aren't just beautiful. See, they are some of the hardest substance on the face of our earth. Diamonds are utilized to cut and polish stones. Diamonds are coated onto equipment. And many of these construction workers out here are using diamonds to cut through streets to do the work that they're doing. Diamonds have an expense to them because of how old they are. Scientists believe that diamonds actually take millions of years to form. And I can imagine some of the other elements, some of the other jewels that we talked about, a ruby or, or a gold or whatever else, looking at a diamond and saying, but I want to be like you. What do I need to do to be like you? I want to be represented like you. I want to be beautiful like you. I want to be powerful and strong like you. What do I need to do to be like a diamond? And it sounds good until the diamond start telling you his testimony. And the diamond is like, well, first of all, it's going to take you about two, three, five million years. And you're like, that's a long time. And then the diamond said, but I'm not done. How much heat do you like? You like, you like a hot? Anybody here like summertime? We got a few folks. You like what, 90, 95 degrees is nice. Some of y'all, Peter up here is uh, no, no, no. The diamond says, hey, all you need to do is withstand temperatures above 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for a while. You want to be like me, right? And I can see the other elements kind of shaking their head like, mm, a million years, 2,000 degrees. That's hot. I grew up in a church where they used to sing a song that said, hell is a hot place. I'm not going there. That's too hot for me. And then the diamond says, but I'm not done. You have to be able to withstand some pressure. See, diamonds, to be formed, they're made out of a substance called carbon. And carbon has to be underneath the pressure of 725,000 pounds per square inch to form a diamond. That would be like me grabbing Johnny, throwing him on the floor here, and putting 55 element, elephants on top of him. That's the amount of pressure it takes to form one of these. And now all of a sudden, those same elements that wanted to be a diamond aren't so sure. And sometimes some of us want what other people have, and we want their story, and we want the money they have, and we want the lifestyle they live, until you watch that biography. You turn that thing on and you start watching what they went through. And the stuff they had to face and the problems they had to navigate. And all of a sudden, you're like, ooh, I don't, I don't know. But we want to be diamonds for Christ, right? And I'm here to help us because there's a promise that God makes in his word that absolutely can help us become exactly what he's called us to be. And I want to read this scripture for you here. Because we've all heard this. We've all heard of this scripture, and it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. Another version of this says that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. 
Here's the thing that we have to understand that this diamond, the things that it went through, the time, the heat, the pressure, are actually all for the diamond's good. See, the diamond is a testimony to the process, the beauty of it, the strength of it. Its ability to withstand pressure is because of the things it has gone through. And I want to encourage somebody here to go through the process because God promises us that this process is good for you. He says very simply in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. That is a testimony by itself. Don't run from these things. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. Mature complete and wanting nothing. And see, we all want maturity. We all want to be complete. We want to be in a place where we don't want for anything. But are you willing to go through the process? Are you willing to go on the long journey, as it says here? And it talks about how we need endurance. Now, endurance is one of those words that sound real good until you realize what you got to go through to get some. Endurance automatically implies that it's the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. It's the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. Endurance. How does this help us? Because I'm here to tell you that good things take time. This is not an overnight thing. You're not going to see the promise of God tomorrow by starting today. It's going to take you some time. Endurance. The building up of strength so that I can continue to fight or move or run even longer comes through pushing yourself through adversity. When you want to quit, when you want to stop, saying I can go a little further. We have to understand that becoming a diamond for Christ is going to take some time. And we have to learn to embrace the hard things in life as this is what leads us to becoming mature, complete, and wanting nothing. But here's the thing. God specializes in using hard things so that we can bring him glory. He looks to utilize those things, yes, for your endurance and yes, for your good, but ultimately to bear forth his witness in this world. But here's something to think about. For your good, and feeling good to you are two different things. The folks get messed up. Well, the Bible said it's for the workout for my good. Got news for you. Eating vegetables every day, all day is for your good. Some of y'all like pizza. I got news for you. Working out every day is for your good. How many of y'all love getting up at 3.30 a.m. so you can go work out? Ooh, I don't see not one hand. I, you just raise your hand at the end. Just, <laughs> Come on. So working out, we know it's good for us. Everything tells us that it is. But it's something about doing it. That's not the most fun thing we want to do. 
Do you understand that working out is actually pushing against resistance? That's literally what working out is. It's you going into a place if you're a weightlifter. It is finding weights and picking them up over and over. And the process of lifting these weights is literally tearing your muscles so that they can regrow stronger in the future. And I'm here to tell you that God is using your trials and your troubles as spiritual weights. And the more you push against them, you're becoming stronger. But it may not always be. It may not always be what you want to go through. It may not be where you want it to be right during that time at that moment. But God says that he uses those. And you have to remember that this race is not given to the swift nor to the strong. But it's given to the one who endures until the end. Now there's a story in Daniel and we've heard of the fiery furnace and the three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Historians believe that these were actually teenagers who were caught in bondage and brought to Babylon at the time under King Nebuchadnezzar. But God had his hand on their lives and they were blessed to move up into the ranks of leadership. They were spiritually wise. They knew their jobs well. They had gained the trust of the king. But at some point, the king went on an eagle trip and he built a statue that he told everybody, when this statue comes down the street and you hear the music, bow down and worship. These three young men made a decision not to do that because they said, we serve only the one true God and we refuse to bow down to any other. And this got them into a situation with their king. And in this passage here in chapter three, they're standing in front of a man who literally has their lives in his hand. And he looks at them and says, if you're ready to comply with my order and fall down and worship the statue I have made, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, then things will go well for you from here on. But if you refuse to worship, you will be taken immediately and thrown in a furnace of blazing fire. What God could possibly rescue you from my hands then? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to defend our actions in this matter. We are ready for the test, and if you throw us into the blazing furnace, then the God we serve is able to rescue us from a furnace of blazing fire and release us from your power. But even if he doesn't, O king, you can be sure that we will still not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue you erected. With fury burning in his eyes, the king orders the furnace heated up seven times hotter than normal. You know how petty you got to be to turn up the furnace seven, hot, seven times hotter. You already know he throwing you in there to kill you, right? But before you die, we're going to turn it up so hot that you're going to wish you was dead before you got there. It said that the fire was so hot. I want to read this for you. And the king's command carried out so quickly without any precautions that the soldiers who took them up to the furnace were themselves killed by the heat. And the three Jews, tied and bound, fell into the furnace of blazing fire. I'm here to tell you that the hotter the fire is, the greater the shine. The hotter the fire, the greater the shine. They were thrown in this furnace to be made an example of what happens to people that don't bow down to the king. And God made them into an example for him. Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. Sometimes 
the fire has to be turned up to find out what's really inside of you. Sometimes you find out things about people when the fire gets turned up. See, when you turn up the fire on gold, impurities rise to the top. And it gives the person forging it an opportunity to scrape that stuff off and get rid of it before he turns it into the item that he's making it into to begin with. God is doing the same thing with us. And sometimes he has to turn up the heat to find out what's really inside of you. See, if somebody gets you mad enough, you still got a little cussing inside of you? I'm just asking the question. I mean, if, if somebody turned up the fire enough, will you cheat to get what you want? If somebody turns up the fire enough, what won't you do? What are things that are in your character that need to be taken over by God and removed? See, it's the fire that is a refining part of the process. You have to go through some heat. We got to find out, are you really ready for this calling that God has called you to? And the only way to do that is to get things a little hot. But we misunderstand the heat and we feel like God is trying to kill us. <laughs> Jesus, take me out of this fire. It's too hot. I can't take it. But you're not realizing that the fire serves a dual purpose. Yes, it's there to bring the impurities out of you and to show what you really are made of. But do you understand what it does for the people that are looking at the fire that you're in? See, King Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fire. And then a few seconds later, he looks at his people and he says, hey, didn't we throw three people in there? Why do I see four walking around in the flames and the fourth one looks like the Son of God? Do you understand that as you're in the fire, God is there with you? Do you recognize that Nebuchadnezzar seeing the fire as hot as it was, it did something to him to see it had no effect on the people walking around in it. There are fires that you all are walking through. And I'm telling you, the fire you've endured has killed other people. The fire you have endured has taken other people completely out of their mind. The fire that you have endured would have made other people quit and give up on life. That might have been the fire of depression. That might have been the fire of anger. That might have been the fire of adultery. That might have been the fire of a dose of, of, a, of divorce. I don't care what the fire was. There are people who've watched you in that fire and seeing you walk out of it with no smoke on you. Seeing you come out of it with a testimony. Recognizing that in this fire, I wasn't by myself. In this fire, Jesus Christ was here with me the entire time, giving me the power I needed to not come out of the fire, but to walk through the fire. Sometimes we pray the wrong things. We pray for God to get rid of the fire. We pray for God to put the fire out. We pray for God to not even allow us into the fire to begin with. But I'm here to tell you, the fire sometimes is not for you. It's for the belief of other people. The hotter the fire is, the more powerful your God must be to bring you out. For people that don't know God and don't understand his power, how else do you think God can show them who he is? Do you understand the testimony these young men had when they came out of the fire? Hey, I've been there. Hey, 
I made it through that. Hey, God can keep you. Hey, he kept me. It becomes a testimony of what can be when we put our hands in the hands of a living God. Don't try to get out of the fire. Ask God to take you through it. This is how diamonds are made. This is the process that you have to go through. If we want to be real jewels for God to become as valuable as we can be, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some heat. His promise that he would be with us, his promise that this is going to be good for us. Don't give up and don't quit. In Matthew chapter 27, he says, and so they had him crucified. And this is, I'm not sure, I saw that movie, The Passion, and I saw it one time. I never needed to see it again. Uh, it sounded like a good idea, I want to see it. And I remember going to the movies and I remember sitting there like, yeah, you know, this is, from, from my understanding, one of the most realistic representations of what Jesus went through, and I, I wanted to know. Y'all, when I got to the end of that movie, it broke me. Because I couldn't imagine that kind of suffering for me. You see a lot of crazy stuff in movies, but that movie represented what somebody did for me. Understand that it was a choice that he made. In this passage here, in Matthew, he's up on the cross, and it says they divided the clothes off his back by drawing lots, and they sat on the ground and watched him hang. They placed a sign over his head and said, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. And then they crucified two thieves next to him, one at his right hand and one at his left. And passerbys shouted curses and blasphemies at Jesus. And they wagged their heads at him and hissed, you're going to destroy the temple and then rebuild it in three days? Why don't you start with saving yourself? Come down from the cross if you can, if you're really God's son. He saved others, but he can't even save himself. If he's really the king of Israel, then let him come down from the cross. Then we'll believe him. He claimed communion with God. Well, let God save him if he's God's beloved son. Can you imagine? Just imagine me for a minute. Like, Jesus is who he is. And he's on this cross for the people that are talking about him in that moment. They're daring him to do something he actually has the power to do. Come down off the cross and then we'll believe you. Save yourself. Don't y'all think Jesus wanted to save himself? Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before this praying three times that God would take this cup from him. Pray. But he's doing it for the very people that's got something smart to say, the very people that are walking by that don't realize that he's doing this for them. And I'm here to tell you that stress bursts pipes, but pressure makes 
And you might not understand that there's a difference between stress and pressure. See, stress is about resources. Stress is when I have some tasks that I need to complete, but I don't have the resources to take care of it. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have a car. I don't have the job. Whatever it is, I'm missing the resources. I don't have the help. I don't have the people. If I had more of those things, I could do this. But since I don't, I'm stressed out. And many of us in here have been stressed. Some of you are sitting here now and are stressed because you have things you need to do and you don't know how it's going to happen. Pressure is different. Pressure is about accomplishing a task, a task that's so important that you know I got one shot to make this work. Being under pressure. See, it was pressure back in the day. I remember growing up watching Michael Jordan play. All these crazy folks out here trying to tell me that LeBron is better. Y'all need to go somewhere and sit down. (laughs) I watched game six in Utah where this man had the ball for what should have been his last shot ever. I wish he had just retired as a bull. Pressure. I got one shot. I have to make this shot. Pressure is when you can't get this wrong. I can't think of a more pressure-filled moment than Jesus on this cross. Understand this. People are like, oh, Jesus was stressed. Oh, no, he wasn't stressed. Why? Because he had the resources he needed to get down. Jesus could have commanded legions of angels to come to his aid. Jesus could have gotten off of that cross with nothing but a thought. He chose to stay there. It wasn't the nails that kept him either. It was his love. Understand this. Jesus made a choice based on his love and his calling to stay under the pressure. And some of you are saying, I'm I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to walk away. And I'm here to encourage you, don't quit yet. Because on the other side of that pain is your purpose. Your purpose is greater than your pain that you're going through right now. Jesus knew for a fact, if I come down off of this cross, everybody that's ever believed in me or that ever will has lost their opportunity to eternal life. I got one shot. Jesus had already been born through a virgin. He had already lived a perfect life. He had already been betrayed, and he's at the place of testing. He's got one shot. You can't mess this up, Jesus. My life depends on it. And I'm here to encourage you. If we as Christians say we want to be like Christ, I'm encouraging you to actually be like him. Hold on to your love for God and don't give up on your purpose. Because see, when I know what my purpose is, I can understand that this pain is not here to destroy me. This pain is here to get me to my good. We want to walk away. We want to get out from under the pain. But it's because of the pain. It's because of what you've endured. It's because of what you've gone through. It's because of what happened to you as a child. It's because of all the things that you had to live through that you're able to do the things that God has called you to because he does not waste anything. Your life's not wasted. Your pain is not wasted. He hasn't forgotten you. 
He hasn't given up on you. He is right there with you in the fire and he's calling you to represent him in everything that we get to do. But it takes time. It takes being willing to go through some heat. And you're going to be under some pressure. But it's not Stress because you have the resource of Jesus himself. Whatever you think you don't have, take it to Jesus. Whatever you think you need, you go to Jesus and you let him know, this is what I need because you called me to this. This is what your word said. You said that if I love you and I seek out your will in my life, that you will provide for my needs, that you will make all of this that's happened to me into something good. I don't know about y'all, but I'm trying to see the good in my life. I'm trying to see what good looks like. I want to know why did I go through that? I want to find out why I had to battle through that situation. I want to know why Satan won't leave me alone. And if I quit, I'll never find out. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. Do you recognize that when something good comes on your life, it impacts your kids? It impacts your family. It impacts your loved ones. It impacts your friends. When you're blessed, you now have the ability to bless others. The good. All things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. It doesn't matter what it is or how bad it was when you went through it. God says, I will use it to get you where I need you to be. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. We have an opportunity, church, to live underneath the very promises of God. Well, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry. We don't have to think about, will he actually do it? If he gave his word, you remind him of what he said until he does it. God, you said you'd take care of me. You said you'd be there for me. You said you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. And I got news for you. He never will. In the fire, he's with you. In the times when you think you've been completely forgotten, he's still with you. When all of the pressure is on and you realize that any decision I make right now is going to have repercussions for not just me, but for my family. He's right there with you. And I want to encourage you to continue chasing after his heart. Let's become the diamonds that he's called us to be. I want God to see me as something valuable. Something that can be given to somebody else as a token of his love and of his affection. Do you understand that God wants to give you to others? Your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your love. Because he knows that there's a level of happiness that comes to other people when he gifts you to them. You are a gift of God. Christians, we are a gift to the world. And if we don't understand that and we don't recognize that, we'll never shine the way we should. But see, the brighter we shine, the more he is glorified. And he deserves all the glory.
Thank you for joining us at Plain English with Pastor Jay. If you would like to hear more of Plain English, please subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at Plain English with Pastor Jay.